travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Making the most of holiday time should be a prime objective of any trip. After all, we can make more money, but we can't make more time. Ensuring that every minute of a trip is as of high value as possible, tuned in, and ready to go can positively impact the experience. But the importance of good arrangements and planning increases exponentially when building an activity-based trip. Equipment needs to be ready and working well, support needs to be considered, accommodations often need to be dialed in ahead of time, and lots of other factors need to be considered. On this episode, as longtime travel professionals and travelers, we'll share some planning and execution tips that we've employed while arranging successful surfing and cycling trips to help you get the most out of your next active holiday. I'm Scott in Bangkok, and who are you? I'm Trevor, and uh, I'm sorry to have to correct you here, but I didn't arrange a successful surfing trip, which uh, I'll share with my guests here in a moment. Um, but yeah, hey, Scott, uh, this is funny that we're doing this episode again, just because we have discussed planning travel trips before. We had a couple of episodes about planning trips, but this one is a little bit different because it's about like us planning a trip for ourselves. Yeah, and I've done some recent trips and there's actually a fair bit that goes into making them successful, but you certainly don't have to do it the way I do. And then I know when you go surfing too, you've got a different type of style, but I'm sure there's things that you can leave and figure out when you're there. But being surfing, I'm sure you got to figure out like where the brakes are. It's not like snow comes some days and not others um, on a ski hill, like brakes are where brakes are. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you. And I actually haven't really read your notes so that it's all a surprise. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, it's an interesting trip. And the way I went about planning it was actually very different from the way I've ever planned any trip before. So I think it's going to be kind of cool to share with people. Awesome. And you know, I know that I am need things a bit more planned and dialed in, although I have had very unplanned trips, but that just goes with my nature, I think, from a history running a kind of very intricate travel company where things needed to be dialed in for the magic to happen. But you know, when we got thinking about this, I mean, whether it's a mountain bike trip, an on-road cycling trip, motorbike trip, kayaking trip, I mean, if there's an activity, and I've done plenty personally, but also for other people, it really can pay to know what the roots are, if they're good, their condition, you know, having certain supplies ready before, knowing that you can get them along the way, or what the weather might be mm-hmm. while you're out doing them. So if some of these things aren't necessarily dialed in on the kind of travel I've done the entire day or trip can really end up being a bust. So, and this factor I find really scales up if you're traveling in a group, like you will be on three, four people, everything can really increase in terms of time and complexity. Um, so there's merits to plan and not depending on the objective trip, but we're going to tackle it. Yeah. You know, though, I think like a hundred percent increase from one is like, 
a much bigger challenge for me in many ways because like so much of my travel had been for doing research for travel guidebooks and travel writing and when you do that type of exploration i mean you plan like sometimes months in, in where you're going to be in different parts of a country and you have maps and you break down the regions into towns and all the sites that you're going to see every single day it's it's like hyper planned you know so when i right. when i got to go on a vacation lots of times I'd like to just plan the first day or two and then from there just wing it, you know, but like this trip that I'm going to talk about today, I brought a friend and he has a very different traveling style. And as soon as you start to introduce different people, like a group, yeah, that could be really difficult, you know, like, so I was just invited on a surf trip to the Maldives that's going to take place in a couple of months. And I love the idea of jumping on board that boat without having to do any planning whatsoever. I just know that these guys are going to take care of me, but then they were trying to be selective about who they wanted to invite because like you don't necessarily want to go along with somebody who has a different travel style from you. So yeah, it's an interesting topic. Well, you're touching on a point that I'll get to in, in kind of talking about the trips I'm going to. But before we get any further, we just want to thank all of our patrons. And these are lovely people who sponsor the podcast from as little as a couple dollars a month. And many of them much more than that, including Chris W, who shows us some financial love. So remember, Trevor and I just do this for the love of travel and sharing. If you like what we do, be sure to like the podcast wherever you're listening to it, rate it highly, but also go to patreon.com, search the name of the podcast and uh, throw us a little financial love to make sure this keeps going. So Trevor, um, who's going to go first? Uh, do you want to tell your tale or should I tell mine? Um, why don't we start with just giving a little overview of what the trips were and what we were going to want to do for these trips. Sure. Uh, I invite you to lead the way. Okay. All right. So uh, this is a trip that I was going to do with my friend, Mark. Uh, we were going to go to, he wanted to learn to scuba dive and I wanted to do some surf and it was for Kamai New Year last April, April, 2020. And so mm -hmm. we called it the dive surf party Kamai New Year 2020 trip. From there, it was just like, all right, let's put together a trip. So we had to figure out, okay, which spot are we going to go to? Where are we going to travel to that, that we can dive surf and party together you know so like Ooh. like thailand has some great diving but like not necessarily surf great party but mm -hmm. not necessarily surf right so indo kind of came up next and then we had to figure out okay well should we go to bali or should we go to lombok and then one of the things was that like to go to bali you'd fly through bangkok so there's like some party you know but then there like lombok, yeah so trying to figure out the trip and like planning it because he likes to to have his trips planned in general. So I needed to plan part mm -hmm. of it. And then I wanted flexibility and he warmed to the whole flexibility side. So, so we did like this hybrid and I put together all of these like Google earth screenshots of beaches and areas where like, it, you know, it was fun putting together a trip to, to plan for him, which drew on mm -hmm. my experience for working for XO travel at the time. But, uh, in the end, when I tell the whole tale, uh, you, you'll, there was this, uh, outbreak of a virus called COVID. 19. Ah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I think I've heard of so, that. So uh, I'll, tell, I'll tell how that uh, trip, uh, the status of it is right now, because it's still uh, sort of in play. We'll just see when. I'm, I'm curious to hear your trips. I think you had a, you've done a couple lately. So uh, maybe there were different levels of planning each one. Yeah. And, and what's kind of funny about this is I've always been a, a mountain biker, an off-road guy, uh, done a fair bit of dirt biking. And then probably almost two years ago, I, I was almost embarrassed. I bought a, a like a hybrid carbon fiber bike because I realized when I was in Bangkok, 
as much as I'd love to be on dirt, I'm on pavement most of the time. And then that kind of grew into going a bit further in a ride because there's less resistance on the tires. And then that virus you just mentioned, actually exactly a year ago right now, I had done with my travel days, like two, three days of biking here and there, but never like multiple days cruising road. So I decided I'm going to go to Chiang Rai and ride these incredible mountain routes that I've done a million times uh, on, on motorbikes. I've done maybe parts of them and I'm going to put that together. And then that just led to having a lot of time and did four long multi-day riding trips, cycling trips in Thailand, which I'd never really done. But the skills I'd learned planning motorbike trips um, and other kinds of trips and the logistics and making sure the roads are good quality and, hey, what are the elevation gains on each ride? And can you find a reasonable place to sleep, you know, within 80K or whatever the distance is for that day, it's kind of become a bit of a skill. And then we added some people on a trip. And so it just happens. I've had a lot of bike trip experience the last year. And I I think there's some good lessons in there for those kind of trips, but also to other just kind of active, complex trips. Yeah. I'm, you know, again, I'm impressed with the, all the trips that you made last year and uh, you know, a lot of them I didn't know until after the fact. So they seemed really spontaneous to me. Like, wow, like Mm -hmm. suddenly you guys are on bikes somewhere, you know? Um, Yeah. But again, like having some experience, but you went to some places that you hadn't been to as well. Yeah. Well, shall I just get into it and kind of go through that? Yeah. Why not? So I'm going to actually talk about a, a variety of trips, Trevor. And, and yeah, I can see that when you see what I'm doing on Facebook, it looks a little spontaneous. So I'm going to talk about um, a six-day trip from a province called Uttaradit, kind of in central northern Thai, heading east to Lui and Nong Kai along the Lao border. I'm going to talk about a five-day road trip from a province called Pre, kind of in the northern bit, up to Nan and back to Pre. Uh, a three-day road trip in the tropics along the coast from Hua Hin down to Chumpon and a ride in Chiang Rai, and then also some day rides where I climbed the highest point in Thailand, and I did some pretty serious downhill mountain biking as well in Doi Sutep and Doi Pui and Chiang Mai. So there's a combination of trips, and I'm just going to break them down and go through each of them a little bit because it was different lessons from each. Right on. So the first one is, as I mentioned, one year ago, COVID had happened, I'd lost my job, and I thought, I'm going to go to Chiang Rai, but I don't have panniers or racks to carry all my equipment, nor do I think I was in that kind of shape because there's some significant climbing up there. And luckily, a friend uh, of ours that we worked with at Exo, Ruben, he actually had an injury on his shoulder. And so he said, hey, I'll drive a car, shuttle the bags point to point. So I knew the area well. I had somebody that could take the bags around. So all of a sudden, I just got a ride for myself, you know, with water and supplies. I kind of know in Thailand, one of the great thing is within 20K, you can always find a convenience store. I knew the roads. I knew the terrain really well. I more or less knew the vertical each day. But for the first time, I employed uh, employed a new tool called Ride with GPS, which is a mobile but um, an online platform. And we'll have links to these in our show notes to actually look at each day because this application will show you very accurately the total vertical climb in a day, which can be a big factor when you're planning lengths. So I used that just out of curiosity. And that kind of got me into the game of sort of factoring in vertical and I got kind of switched on to how many meters I was climbing, but it was really easy because I had a buddy, you know, carrying my gear place to place. I knew most of the places to stay, found some new ones and uh, yeah, just pre-booked those hotels each night because we knew, hey, I'm definitely going say this 50K or this 90K each day. So that was a really great trip along the Burmese Thai border and Laotian. Yeah. I, I think it's so amazing that like to get a support vehicle is such a rare luxury, mm. you know, and to have a buddy do it is is great, you know. 
this theme is going to crop up a fair bit here, Trevor, is that anybody who's done cycling trips carrying their own gear is going to hear this and go, oh, this is a different sport. And then just some day rides that are worth mentioning. So at the end of all the trips I'm about to tell you about, I realized, you know what? I should try and get up Thailand's highest mountain, Doi Intanon. And I believe it's about 2,500 meters high. So it's actually reasonably high, but the climb is over 2,300 meters, bottom to top. And so when attempting that, I also used um, Ride with GPS to kind of really be able to see on my phone, you can move the maps onto your phone and I have a mount on my bike handlebar. So you can see when climbs are coming up, you can have a pretty good idea like, hey, this climb's going to be, this stretch going to be 6K, the gradients get up to, you know, 15K. And that was a, a really useful tool. I don't know what those trails are like, but like I was up there in 2006, yeah, 2006, mm-hmm. I was up there in like a, a four-wheel drive. We were in the back of the truck, you know, and okay. it, it was some of the craziest, scariest, muddiest, slidiest, like sliding on mud down and like ready to jump out because like, it was so sketchy. Yeah, This was a very good paved road. I'm on my hybrid carbon bike in these stories. Oh, that's right. But yeah, I thought there was some off-road riding uh, in, in your trip. There probably is. But up there, this was just summiting. But then another great trip I did is I took my full suspension bike up to Chiang Mai and I put my bikes on the train for this trip, which is great. Two bikes. And uh, Doi Sutep, if you've been to Chiang Mai, has a very famous royal temple on top. But above it again is another mountain called Doi Bui. And the total climb up is about 11, 1200 meters. Takes me about three hours if I ride the carbon bike up, but I was doing downhill. So a thing I'd never really thought about doing, I looked for a Facebook group and there was a Chiang Mai off-road Facebook group. And I started looking where they were riding. And then I used another app called Trail Forks, which I'd used in Vancouver area. Trail Forks basically has every great ride almost around the world. And so you can check out what trails are what. But I found a couple people on Facebook that agreed to take me out for my first ride. A guy, a Thai American, and then a guy from Denmark. And we shuttled up. We rented a Songtao truck and shuttled up. And they you know, showed me the ropes for the first ride. And that was just a really great start to three days of serious off-roading that I did with these people that lived there found them on Facebook, used trail forks. And I just thought it was kind of like figuring out where trails are in a very, very modern way. Yeah, that's what I thought. Those were the photos I was thinking of was this off-road stuff. Uh, so that's cool. I mean, I I knew that you'd like to to ride bikes. And like, again, here in Cambodia, there just happens to be more dirt because that's the predominant road surface, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't know that like your road riding was really just a kind of recent trend for you. Absolutely. And I still struggle to get into the tight clothes and cringe when I see myself in a mirror. But um, yeah, then I'll transition to, I might not talk fully about all these trips, but then the big road one, uh, my ex-business partner, Dan and I, and Dan runs Smiley No Bino now, we decided let's take a train to a province called Utaradit. And Utaradit is probably about 200 kilometers southeast of Chiang Mai to give people an orientation. And neither of us had really been there, but there's some significant looking mountains. And I'd been, it, it gets addictive. I look on Google Maps and then I find like secondary and tertiary roads because those roads here, secondary and tertiary yeah, are nice. often very well paved. I'm then hitting like satellite view and going like trying to zoom way in and see is a road sealed. I talked to a buddy, Bill, who shared a Google map track and I've navigated on Google maps, again, mounted on my handlebars. You can share maps that way. Mm-hmm. But we decided, look, we're going to ride six days heading from Utaradit directly kind of a bit north and then east, going to the border with Laos, staying at a national park called Pusai Dao, and then following the mountainous border with Laos into Lai province for a good two, 250 kilometers, then riding along the Mekong all the way to uh, 
the border with Nongkai. So this six-day trip was incredible. He and I decided, look, we're growing men. Uh, we know van drivers from our travel days, and we hired a guy to drive down to Shanghai from mm. Shanghai. And the two of us split the bill and put him in a room and split those costs because we just decided we want this to be one like we'd never done a bike trip before, the biggest one. And I hate to say it, it doesn't need to cost a ton of money to cover a driver, a nice van. He gave us a special rate, his hotel and food. And it really, really made the trip super convenient. We simply couldn't have carried our gear for six nights, six days, seven. And uh, that was the way to do it. We treated ourselves. And one of the things on that that was also fun was the small rural hotels because we ended up in some, I mean, really quiet countryside where there's tiny towns and there's small like little businessman bungalows, but you got to start planning the trip, not only based on what you can ride, but kind of like, where's the next town where there's somewhere you can actually sleep. Yeah. That's a thing here in Cambodia for sure too. So that was kind of the first long trip. Uh, Dan and I didn't formally discuss how we were going to ride together or the rules of the ride. Uh, start times were a little tense at times, but you want to get out earlier in the morning. And we kind of rode at a similar pace. And, you know, he waited for me at times. I waited for him. It was an awesome trip. And we took the train back from Nong Kai back to Bangkok. Nice. So I flew in with the bike, disassembled it for the Chiang Rai trip. But most of these others, it's putting the bike on the train, which in, in Thailand, you can do it, costs a couple hundred baht. Uh, but it's so great to, you know, rock up to a station at 5.36 a.m., your bike's assembled, take it off the train, and we ride straight from the train stations. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's not so hard to plan that when you got like a train that drops you off at the beginning and a train that takes you back at the end, huh? Yeah. So, you know, I think if you were just traveling with two people and your story is going to be a two person, there could be more concerns, except I knew this fella for, you know, 20 plus years. So we really know each other. But things that I, I think, you know, can play is like obviously where you're going to go, routes and hotel planning, and then just even what time you're going to start. And then that kind of vibe or like, do you hang out? Do you wait for one another? How far do you get ahead uh, with phones and great 4G networks? We were able to like send each other notes sometimes. Yeah. Like, where are you? Mm. But a different kind of trip, similar but different, um, and I'll just kind of mention two in one, is that uh, last year, late last year, 2020, um, Dan and I wanted to do another trip, and we mapped out some routes using Ride with GPS. I, I really got addicted, played with Northern Thailand, and decided to take the train to a province called Pre, which is just kind of north of Uttaradit by a bit. And we found a five-day route going from Pre north uh, and then east into Nan province, which borders Laos and riding some mountainous roads and back to the Pre train station. So a circuit. But we thought, you know what, let's add a couple people to share costs of this driver because we can't go without a driver now. It's like flying first class, right? You do it once. You can't go back. And we know a good driver. And we decided, look, from our tour days, we knew that we don't really want more than four people. Every time you add someone, something gets slowed down. Someone always needs to use the toilet. Someone wakes up late. Someone takes off all their gear at a quick water stop. And we thought, can't get more than four, but we got to know these people are cool and like self-sufficient and can, you know, get themselves fed in the morning and can hack it. So uh, we invited Ruben, the fellow we talked about, and a guy named Gary Marshall, who runs a travel service called TDA, Travel Daily Asia, because we kind of knew enough about them. We're like, yeah, they'll be cool, right? No babysitting them. So luckily we got along well, but some considerations there were like, okay, who books the van driver and communicates to the van driver? Because he doesn't speak any English. Who is ensuring we have the proper bike tools? Is anyone bringing a first aid? Um, you know, who's booking the hotels? Who uh, making sure everybody thinks to like buy electrolyte packages and Snickers bars? 
to, to bring along because we're going to be so remote. You might not be able to get those things or, you know, picking up a bunch of yogurts and a loaf of bread and peanut butter, you know, before you go, cause there's no breakfast at some of these places before mm. you're rocking off at six. So sounds like little things, but kind of having that informal conversation definitely helped. And Dan and I took on most of the hotels driver, you know, where are we going to eat? Cause we read Thai and can manage that aspect better. It kind of agreed on starting times and that played to the same just a few weeks ago. And the four of us decided to cycle from Hua Hin, which is three hours south of Bangkok. And we followed the coast, the really narrow bit before you get far south, going from Hua Hin to just north of Chumpon. Only three days this time, but different driver. But we already had that kind of vibe spec'd in and that we were okay. Like a couple of us would ride together. If you had an inkling to go fast, just blast ahead. But then uh, one of the guys was using a different uh, app called Komoot, which is another ride plan, uh, planning and sharing tool. And you can actually pick things on, say, Komoot, like show me walking routes, and it'll automatically string together like back lanes and stuff. Once in a while, they'll turn into dirt roads. But those kind of tools are real handy. But a tool that makes group travel bomb-proof that I was against, TriCount. And I'm sure there's other ones, but it's a little expense app. And you just start a trip like I did, like Huahin to Chumpon. I invite the other people via email. And then for the whole trip, anytime you pay for something, you can just put it in. Like breakfast coffees, 250 baht. And you can automatically select everyone to share that expense or just click on certain people. All those awkward moments of who's paying or this and that, just the most convenient person pays, puts it in the app. And at the end of the app or at the end of the trip, it knows the balances. So it'll be like, oh, Trevor owes Scott you know, 5,365 baht. Scott owes Dan and it's just done. It was really, really good for planning group trips and getting the money awkwardness out of the way. That That is so good because like the, the first overseas trip I made without my parents when I was 16 years old, I went on like a high mm-hmm. school field trip to Greece for a month. So it was like 16 and 17 year old American kids in Greece for a month. And at the beginning, everything is cheap in Greece and we were just buying everybody everything. Yeah. And then towards the end mm-hmm. of the trip, you're like, you owe me like 17 drachmas or something. You know, like you start arguing <laughs> yeah. over the amounts and, and that, that, that sharing of funds and who takes care of things is definitely an issue for when you're traveling with groups of people or, or different people. Yeah. Yeah. And there was lots of expenses, but it was just cool to pay for it. I don't mind. Like I'll take a bunch of money out from the ATM and just at the end, that was that. So look, there's much more I could tell you, but I guess from these kind of trips, you know, kind of four big road trips with support vehicle, cha-ching, some, you know, serious downhill off-road riding where we're hiring Song Taos to take us to the top or going up Thailand's tallest point, planning routes and finding routes using apps like Ride with GPS and Komoot, then being able to have those tracks on a phone and once in a while, like follow it and be like, oh, the road's up here 3K or, oh, we have a 4K climb coming up and it gets really steep in the back half. And that app, to share expenses and then planning trips where we could take the train to the start and the end. Like those things all together uh, really kind of made for some magical moments last year and a style of travel that I'd, I'd kind of done running a business, but it was also quite different and super fulfilling. You know, it's interesting. It's that uh, you did a lot of different trips that were of a similar style. And now you've suddenly sort of become an expert in planning like a, a, this type of bike trip in Thailand. And so like people can go to our show notes and talktravelasia.com and there's links to all these useful tools. You really have some really good tips here. So I, I've almost like I've, I've made a prompt here that you should write down your top 10 trips for planning a bike trip in Thailand. But I think that guests should just uh, email you and ask you to help them put 
together and share. Yeah, that. absolutely. You can email us at, uh, you know, talktravelasia at gmail.com. No problem. Happy to chat about it. So yeah, that, that was kind of a, a magical year. And in that too, were lots of like two hour rides and four hour rides. When I was traveling with my wife, so many places, I'd have the bike in the back and we'd be going to some small town, you know, near the Burmese border. And I'd see on the map that there's a mountain. So I'd just like get out of the car, get in the bike and climb 20K up and over the mountain and then meet my wife at the hotel or something. So there was tons of those or ride out of town in the morning over a mountain. So yeah, it was awesome. 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 Sorry. I made a note here in the show notes that said uh, an episode idea should be about travel drama and nightmare travelers, because I'm sure we've had experiences where we traveled with people that that oh, we yeah. didn't get along with. And that could be a really fun episode. But as I was thinking about it, I'm like, I've been so fortunate. Like I've been so lucky the people I've traveled with, I've always kind of had good kismet with, I think. But like, I definitely know some travel drama stories from from others. So a lot of these tips and things I talk about also apply to other countries. We do, I would say, Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, Myanmar, Malaysia, the Southeast Asian area. A lot of like hiring a driver at a reasonably priced amount, access to planning tools. This is all going to work. It's just this is Thailand because, you know, I've now been in Thailand for 16 months because of COVID. And I know your story. I remember you talking about I'm going to Lombok for surfing and then COVID happened. So give me a bit more background and then tell me how you plan a surf trip because I have no idea. I can guess, but I have no clue. Yeah, well, again, like it was, it's, it was primarily a dive trip that I, I wanted to surf on. So, like, if it was a surf trip, it would have been a whole lot easier, I think. But trying to do the dive and the surf, and then Mark wanted to party. So, Mark is a friend of mine from here in Cambodia, and he wanted to go and learn to dive. And I wanted to surf, and we wanted to go someplace that was fun because it was like my New Year, you know. And and I, we're good friends, and I, I think we would travel well together. But we still are quite different personalities in that, like again, he preferred to have a, a planned trip, you know, whereas I'm like, okay, let's just go and do it. And like you're saying, like you know Thailand quite well. Like yeah, I, I know Thailand really well. I know like Bali quite well. I haven't been to Lombok, but the Gili Gili Islands, like Gili T, uh, which is a famous dive spot off the coast of Lombok. You've been to the Gili Islands, yeah, Scott? I was there for one night, yeah, with okay. Exo Travel a few years right. ago. So uh, yeah, in the beginning, it was like, where should we go to dive, surf, and party? And it was yeah, the Indo, maybe Thailand, maybe Philippines. And again, like Thailand doesn't have surf, so that was kind of out. And uh, Philippines, I've always wanted to go to, and they have like world class scuba diving and, and amazing surfing, you know. And and that would have been a fun one to do for like a first time. But given like the the amount, I think we had like nine or ten days. And the airfares to to Bali and Lombok were were quite cheap, you know, from from uh, Cambodia, and just getting a good like because you don't want to waste too much time getting from here to Philippines. Actually, I think there's some direct flights, but anyway, in the end, we we got down to like whether we should go to Bali or whether we should go to Lombok. And like I mentioned in the introduction, like the Bali trip has a layover in Bangkok, so we could have like partied in Bangkok for a couple of days and then go to Bali where like there is diving and surfing, although they are tricky to combine because they're like different parts of the island. So I like the fact that you've brought up some really important ingredients that you got to line up here, right? You got to, there's got to be dive sites, there's got to be surf breaks, there's got to be decent nightlife, like, and and because of the two of you, you you've got unique logistics that you've got to try and align the planets for that purpose. Yeah. So, you know, like I created kind of like a, this is my idea of what we could do. And we sort of, we ended up going for Lombok because uh, 
we had to transit through Kuala Lumpur, but we had to spend a night at the airport hotel, which was kind of a drag, you know, but like that got us into Lombok early the next day. So we were like, I don't remember exactly what day, but it was like, we would leave on a Friday night, spend the night in KL at the airport there. And then the following morning fly to Lombok so we could get to like something on that island or something that that timing sort of worked out better. So what I did was I, I went to Google earth and I took screenshots of like, all these different beaches with like the Google earth shows you like where the bars are located and where the restaurants are located and where the like surf spot near there or the dive spot might be. And I started sending him like, okay, here's kind of our options. And then it's funny, Mark picked the resort. He wanted to do the dive at the, he was going to do like a scuba diving certification course. He chose it based on their Instagram account. Really? Yeah. They, and they're, they're Instagram. It's awesome, man. I still follow it. And it's just like, God, I wish I was there every time I see their photos. Cause like the, the, it's pronounced Geely, but, but people call it Geely Islands. Yeah. So Geely T is the westernmost of the three islands. And that's kind of got a reputation as a party island. And it's also got a reputation as, as one of the best places in the world to like learn to, to scuba dive or just to scuba dive in general. And so like, and, and that Manta, he chose Manta dive and the Manta dive shop was towards the South end of that Island where the only surf break on that Island is located. So oh, like perfect so, for you. Yeah. Well, not quite perfect because like that wave is kind of fickle. Like it doesn't break frequently. The cool thing though, is that like people don't go to this Island to surf. It's like when people go to Indonesia to surf, they, they definitely don't go here to surf. And if they go here as surfers, like they're partying and hungover or they're with their girlfriends or something like that, you know, it's not a place to go to surf. So, so that's actually kind of a big perk because like if that wave was firing, then like I have barrels to myself pretty much, you know, I mean, there's the, the lifeguard there who I know surfs and he's got boards you can use. So, but otherwise like the idea was, okay, this is where you're going to do your dive course, which takes three days. Yeah. Okay. And are you diving too or not bothering? Well, yeah. So when, when we, I put together like a mock itinerary, I, I wanted to do some diving as well. Like if there was surf that day, I would surf for sure. And maybe I'll like snorkel. I like to snorkel as well and just get in the water. Right. But I was going to wait until after he finished his certification course. Cause then he's allowed to do like fun dives. Right. And then I would join him for right. fun dives. Yeah. But like when we arrived, we like, we had an option to like stay overnight on Lombok in Singigi or Sinjigi. Yeah. And the idea was that like, we, we were actually going to arrive at like 1 PM on, on day two of our trip. And then we were going to go to Sinjigi and check out the beach there and like there's a little break off that point where this hotel the Kila Sengigi was located and like it looked like that's over in Bali right Sengigi no it's in Lombok oh okay if you check google maps on the show notes it's on the northwest kind of side of, of Lombok where ah. you could take a boat kind of from there to Gili T I stayed near there years ago now I remember okay and like the, the surf report websites say that like 86% of the time it's like blown out which means it's too windy and like 11% of the time it's like good conditions or whatever but like I just want to get in the water paddle out you know just we could get long boards like if it was small he's never surfed before you know just stay at some nice place at the beach check out like the bars that night see if that town was like cool or not and then in the morning like the surf is best like sunrise you know dawn patrol hmm. so like there's no wind then you know so day three we could like oh, okay. surf and then we take like a midday boat from that beach to Gili T. And then okay. like he'd spend the next three days diving. And then I love this note. And this is from our itinerary, which I, I think I should put on the show notes. Some of this stuff's great. So Mark gets certified and that afternoon says, get fucking wasted drinking through snorkels. 
which sounds like a good idea, a party yeah. thing to do. And then after that, like days seven, eight, nine, and ten, we were kind of flexible. Like, okay, maybe we'll stay on that island for a few days. Maybe if we like Sangigi, we'll go back there and check that out for like a couple more days. Or like, like I wanted to surf and like the south coast of Lombok where Kuda is. Did you go to Kuda? Because I know you were in Lombok. I have not really been to Kuda. No. Okay. That's like, I've stayed in a hotel outside of Kuda for a night. Oh yeah. I've not had the Kuda experience. Cause again, I like, I was just looking at Google earth photos and like, there's websites that'll tell you like the names of the surf breaks along the, like really the coast. Yeah. And then you just go to Google earth and you can like zoom in on them and you can see like photos of the reefs and stuff like that. Right. Oh, that's pretty cool to see a break. Yeah, it's great. And then like, then like you'll zoom, like you'll look and like on day nine, there was a Novotel. There's a Novotel in Kuda that's out on this point. And like one of the best surf spots in that area is like right off the Novotel. So I was like, All okay, right, like maybe we'll stay at the Novotel. Maybe we'll surf off the Novotel. But then I have like screenshots of that beach with like what the bar scene is like and stuff like that. So like I can pitch it to, mm. to Mark in case he wants to go and check this out. But I don't know if it's much of a, of a bar scene. And as I was doing like to prepare for this show, I had to like dredge all this stuff up. And, and the punchline to my story is again, COVID happened and we didn't go on this trip. Right. And we paid $650 each for our return airfare, which AirAsia has right. credited us. We still have those credits and I assume that I'll still be able to use them sometime. It's, good and, as, it's as good as cash, Trevor. Yeah. And Mark, Mark got a credit <laughs> from the Manta dive place. So we still have the room like, you know, a good planning tip, especially I learned this in Indonesia is you never buy a, a return boat ticket, but we did buy like one way boat tickets in advance from, you know, cause mm -hmm. I wanted to know that like, you know, we're on arrival day. We're here. We're going to check out the surf the next day. I want to sure. be on a boat to that, to Gili T. So we kind of, I prepared some of these logistics and I talked to Luke man, who's the XO product manager in Indo to like, help me like, all right, I mean, I'm going to need to get an airport pickup to take me to the hotel. I want someone waiting for me there. Kind of like that expense yeah. just to make sure you can make that transfer easily. Smooth. So yeah, those first four days like were planned pretty, pretty well so that we can get into the Island and that we knew there's going to be diving and some fun and, and possibly some surf there. And then the second half is just like, it's a dock filled with like Google earth photos and links and like, like ideas and options um, for Mark and I to like, kind of see what the, the rest of our trip might look like. And he liked the idea that like, Hey, all right, we know what we're going to do for the, for the primary part. And then, and then we'll just wing it from there. You know, I, I like what you've kind of brought up and I mean, it's kind of obvious, but often people don't do it is I always think if you have to move on a certain day or you have to be somewhere on a, a certain day, if it's sensible, just book it like the boat you mentioned, like, you know, you want to take a ferry from Bali to Lombok on a certain day, like book it, don't turn up and then, Hey, it's a holiday today and it's overbooked and now you're screwed, right? Like just dial some of that in. Some of that, some of that shit, you really just need to show up. But sometimes when you show up to get a boat in Indonesia, it's six hours. You got to wait before you're at your destination, you know? So like, yeah, the, yeah. the ability to book it, that, that was one of the only costs I ate. I think they might've given me like a 30 day extension, but I ended up eating the price of those ferry tickets, but we booked them in advance. And like on our itinerary here, I had screenshots of like our booking numbers and everything like that. And what time the, the yeah. ferry was going to go. And they were all really professional and I trusted them. And, and again, it was one way. So I knew like, all right, on day three at 12 30 PM, we're getting picked up at the hotel by this ferry company. And, and we're going to get to that Island that afternoon sometime i don't know how many hours but so i know you haven't 
gotten to take the trip yet, but I'm wondering, Trevor, like I know this was kind of primarily a dive trip with some surfing tagged on, but is there anything you got to specifically, like, I know you enjoy that freestyle travel, but you've also written the books, which are quite rigid in how you've got to perform that. But for this kind of trip, like diving, surfing, or on a surfing trip, are there things that you know you have to like get ready, like for being in the water or swimming or equipment or anything you got to shop for or pack or I, I don't know, like what are those things you have to make sure? You yeah, that's funny. I said one of the things, well, like for a surf trip, for sure, like swimming, you know, and like I swim regularly to stay in shape just to go when I go home to Hawaii to for the like Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, there's big waves and like they're usually too big for me and they're definitely too big for me if I'm not in shape, you know, and like mm-hmm. you, you surf is unpredictable and sometimes it can be big and challenge you physically and if you're not in shape like it's it's scary you know like it's it's dangerous so like i definitely swam a lot like preparing for that trip and then when the trip got canceled i I kept preparing and i'm still preparing so i'll be ready for that day the other thing i started doing was making a playlist because it was like surf Ah. dive party combined new year 2020 trip so like I, i started making a playlist for the trip that ended up being used as my uh lazy beach December beach trip, which is pretty good. Hmm. And then like shopping and packing, you know, like I don't own a surfboard anymore. Um, that is one of the tricky things again, like trying to check ahead and find out, Hey, where can I get a board from? You know, cause you go to like a, and a decent board cause you can surf, right? You're, you need something quality. Yeah. I mean, you want like, yeah, a reasonably good board for sure. And like in Bali, you can buy, you can rent boards cheap and easily in places where there's like famous surf breaks, like it is generally better or easier, you know, but again, like on the Gili T Island, it's a, it's a dive Island surfing there isn't common, Mm. but I like, I I remember that the lifeguard there, he like has a few boards just like on a rack that you can rent and they're they're, like rideable enough, I think for that break, you know, but like on, on Lombok, I I was like, all right, it's in like, where am I going to get a longboard? That was like the first thing to do when, when, after we checked in was like, go check out the bar scene and see where we can rent boards, you know, otherwise you got to like bring that stuff. And then, okay, wax, like a surf wax. Like I don't have surf wax. I couldn't pack that man. Like, but you need like booties. There's certain things you need to think about. Cause that, that reef's really shallow and sharp and like having okay. booties and just having like proper beach gear, like sunblock, man. I mean, you, it's harder to like, especially when you're like landing and then you're transferring to the hotel and then you want to like, check out the surf, see what the bar scene's like, like have like this kind of fun, busy trip. Like you don't want to go sure. and look like, oh, let's go find a supermarket to buy sunblock now. I mean, sure, it's kind of easy. It's enough. a total waste of time. <laughs> yeah, total, Absolutely. Yeah. Waste of time. So definitely want to yeah. like sunblock is for sure. But otherwise, yeah, swimming playlist. And then, uh, yeah, we didn't fucking go. So, but you know, like <laughs> I was going to say, when I was preparing these show notes, I was looking at the Google Maps again. And if we do this trip, which Mark still wants to do, those last couple of days, I want to go to Desert Point. Desert Point is one of the most famous surf spots in Indonesia. It's the most famous surf spot on Lombok. And there's there's no party around there. And it's a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's go there just to get like some sick waves. And like, eh, maybe Mark can hang out by himself for a couple of days and we'll meet at the airport at the end. But like, if, if I'm doing a dive surf party trip, I can do the dive party at the beginning and then go to Desert Point for those last couple of days for sure. Yeah. Is there any kind of great app for knowing where breaks are and kind of getting a read on like how high they are, their attributes or seeing what the life condition is? Yeah. You know, there's a, there's an app that's called uh, Magic Seaweed 
And uh, oh, okay. yeah, Magic Seaweed has pretty good info on like conditions and a little bit of break info and stuff like that. Um, otherwise, like last year, I really got into Windy. You use Windy. Hmm. There's, there's an app called Windy. And Windy's like a weather app and it shows like all sorts of like, you know, the, the normal like meteorological things and like live actions and stuff. But it also does like wind currents in, in like knots and stuff. And, and it does swell direction. And so like you can look oh, at, okay. yeah. So like the wind and the swell are obviously like key ingredients in surf breaks. And like, so when you look at, uh, not necessarily a magic seaweed, but like some of these websites, and I can put links again to, to some good websites that give you like surf info. They'll tell you that like, okay, this particular break is best on this tide, like a high tide or a low tide when the swell, when the swell is coming from this direction and the wind is blowing in this direction. So like they already know that like, these are the perfect conditions for that spot. And these are the best months for that spot and then you can sort of just you know see whether or not the conditions are, are looking that good i mean it's great with windy because you can get like real time you know it's really cool and you know you touched on something like health and i'm certainly no health demon but i mean you can jump into any trip be it one of the road bike ones i was talking about or a mountain bike one or a surf trip and yeah if you're not terribly healthy it is going to seriously impact how much of that thing you're going to get to do when you're there and how well, and maybe do you end up getting an injury on the first day or do you get that injury on the last day? Right. I mean, it can happen. Yeah. You know, you gotta just try not to get hurt before the trip. I think is, is the most important. Right. Thing. Right. Well, that's a, a really neat kind of trip. I wouldn't mind coming on that trip yeah. and spectating on parts and being a part of that if it was to work out. So, I don't know. I wish, why don't we just look back on a few of the key things that each of us touched on? Is that all right? Sure. You know, and I think back to what I covered, but just to kind of summarize this, I always think, and now it's because I'm a little older, right? I'm, you know, creeping up on 48 here, and I guess I make a bit more money than I did when I was younger. But I always think, and I used to say to this in my trip designing days is when I was doing it for a living, is spend a little bit extra money where you can and if you can manage to make the experience that much better. So in our case, it was a van. Like we know a good van driver. It was COVID. He didn't have work. He gave us a nice friend rate. In return, you know, he slept at the same place as we did. We all ate as much food as we could, like treated him like a friend. He was a member of the trip. But, you know, had we not had our own van driver, like none of those trips would have been nearly as good. So I'd say always throw a, a wee bit more money at that thing that can make your trip just a bit smoother, a bit better. You said, you know, you have someone pick you up at the airport. You want that part to be smooth. You want to take you to the ferry terminal. Like, totally agree. Digital tools now, you know, you can make the argument everyone knows where everything is. But, hey, a lot of digital tools were used on my trip and from the sound of yours and mm. made them possible. Yeah, I think uh, it's amazing. Like, Google Earth is so good for scoping out so many things like whether it's roads or, or, or reefs and uh, you know, being able to share that stuff on Google drive and like chatting about it and like Instagram for inspiration for like, you know, like that, that dive shop looks great, you know? And then I think the interesting thing that, that you brought up about like who you choose to be your traveling companions. And, and I just sort of like assume that Mark and I would travel well together just because we get along well together and, everyday life that we hang out but like you never know you don't know until you're there so it was kind of cool like planning that trip to to kind of meet his needs and to kind of take into account mine and and again that came from working in the travel industry in recent years and and 
managing and building trips for different types of travelers made me much more sensitive, mm. I think, to like what he might expect or want. And and I think he was excited to experience travel the way I might want to do it too. So I think it's cool if you have the right partner who can like vibe with you. Yeah. And, and I'll kind of, you know, go a bit deeper into that thinking of groups of four. And again, I had the benefit of having, you know, run trips with multiple people before from various backgrounds and abilities. So I have a reasonable idea on group dynamics and how people get tired throughout a day and so forth. And while I don't think you need to be super formal about it and a pre-trip conversation could be a little awkward and you feel like you're being the real serious person, these conversations are always easier and less uncomfortable before a trip rather than in the moment of a trip when people are tired they're a little stressed out. So if you can just make sure as a group, you kind of get a bit of agreement is like, what is the trip and and what are we in it for? Like, is it something like everyone's got to, you know, do the whole thing every day together? Because I had a, a, a misinterpretation on a trip through Tibet with one guy who thought the whole point was everyone's riding every kilometer, which... I certainly didn't have in my mind or the things I told you, like who's planning what, or, you know, what time are we heading off? Those are really worth talking about and just getting out in the open and get kind of knowing, even informally, they'll make everything go better. And then, you know, the area of the world we're in the Southeast Asia is often transport can be quite affordable and a game changer. So, I mean, I have the highest respect for people that carry all their gear, but Someone like me, I couldn't do it for the number of days I rode. Point being, in some spots, you can even get like a motorcycle driver. The hotel probably knows someone that can even in a car or motorbike, like shuttle your bags the next 100K to the next place and keep doing that too, right, as you go. So throw a bit more money at it. Employ local driving services. uh, Take trains where you can. And uh, what are some of the other key kind of lessons you think you, you got out of those trips that people should remember trev when you were talking about like the pre-trip talk i was like have a, mm. have a safe word <laughs> <laughs> hang 10 hang 10 yeah i was also thinking though i i bumped it i was at the Angkor temples last month and uh there's like no people there and of course like i, I tend to meet people i know everywhere right so of course like the one group of people that was at bayon or top home were people i knew and they had all ridden their bikes over and they were riding bikes around. And this one guy's like, I'm getting a tuk-tuk out of here. Do you know where I can get like a tuk-tuk back? <laughs> and he was 100% yeah. serious. And I was like, I'm good. I'm good. I got to get a tuk-tuk back to my motorcycle. So, but it's cool <laughs> if, if we can have that flexibility. I think the attitude matters more than the, than the style, you know? But I think as far as planning, like I'm stoked on this trip still. I, I, I really like hope that we can do it. I'm, I, I wish I was going on that Maldives surf trip. It's in September. And again, I love the idea of just getting on a boat with a bunch of guys and just surfing and fishing and diving and not having to think about anything for 10 days. That That's an unreal vacation to me. Forget planning. Like I like to plan. I'm good at planning. For me, a vacation is just kind of letting go, right? And there's times I've had those experiences, Trevor, and it was probably a half dozen years ago. And I was on something where I wasn't planning any part of it. And I just noticed I was zoned out. I had trouble remembering what I'd just done for the last couple hours. And it was because I just had mentally checked out and I love it now. Like if there's the right situation and I know the people I'm with are actually, you know, qualified to to make sure it happens. Mm. I love just kind of dialing out and, and letting someone else manage that too. So that's a good thing. Well, we are seriously fortunate guys like uh, i hope if due to covid you're able to do that trip to the maldives but either way you know talking about these it's great and being able to plan these sort of things i realize in a way i've had friends come to me because they sometimes don't know where to start or they know where to start but then how to actually make it happen or ensure it's going to be pretty good like that's 
just second nature to me. And I think the same as you. And I feel pretty fortunate to have kind of honed that that sense and that skill over the years. Yeah. And again, on our show notes on the website, I will either put the whole itinerary up or I'll put a link to the doc so people can check it out because like, you know, I was looking at it, like how I was explaining our options and, and like, it's kind of, it was a fun way to plan a trip. And I think like people could be planning trips now, right? Like hopefully they can make them again soon. Like, uh, I don't know. We should plan a trip to Bangkok. Yeah. And go to our website and click gallery in the top right. Trevor's put the photos for this episode up and we had a, a really good array of photos. And actually I'm having fun looking at them from the other episodes. So make sure you do that. Also remember Trevor and I do this with our own cash just to share the love of travel. If you enjoy it, please go to patreon.com search talk travel Asia sponsor the show. Hey, it starts at $2 a month and up throw us a bit more. We'll send you a postcard. We'll send you something nice. Uh, and rate, review, give us five stars or whatever you think is appropriate. Trevor, can you wind this thing up, my friend? Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, thanks to our patrons and uh, everybody else. Check out the show notes because we always have links to Google Maps and all the interesting stuff that we talk about. And uh, we hope that you'll tune in again in two weeks when uh, we'll have an interesting guest to share some insight on travel. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom in Cambodia? 